Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints, and I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another wonderful, fabulous episode of Yes, Jesus! It's me, Danny Franzese, and as always, I'm here with my bestie... Everyone's favorite Christian homosexual, Azariah Southward. <laughs> That's right. And, listen, don't go nowhere. Come in, get, a, get yourself comfortable up in the pew, pew, pews, because... A PK is a preacher's kid. And do we have a preacher's kid here for you today? (laughs) So get ready, relax, because here at Yash Jesus, we believe that queer Christians have been dominating the Christian charts for decades. But today we have the first out queer Christian to go all the way number one with us. I'm very excited. Our guest here today is Introduce Yourself. Hi, this is Semler, and you're listening to Yas Jesus, baby. That's it. <laughs> yes. That is it. Yes. Yas <laughs> Jesus. And for this episode, we are doing one of those classic church activities a lock in. Uh-oh. Mm, a lock-in. Okay, what is a lock-in? Because this is not something that I did in my church or high school. I'll explain. So a lock-in is a rite of passage in so many Christian churches. It's like what you would do in high school. You know, in high school, youth lock themselves into the church for the night. There are games, activities, movies, making out, very little sleeping, and a little bit of a Bible study. But it's mostly an all-night party at church with Okay, so we're just going to lock ourselves in here? We're not leaving. Lock the doors tight. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a kiki. Let's have a kiki. And with our lock-in today, we have probably the most famous PK right now with us. Okay, I'm so excited about this because when I first heard PK, like I thought everybody was speaking in tongues. I didn't know what a PK was (laughs) until I did Yash Jesus and I found out what a PK is. If you don't know what a PK is, it's not a painkiller. It uh, maybe, mm. but not technically a promise keeper, Mm-mm. or and it's not the Phoenix Knights. And you know, mm. I didn't write that because I know nothing about sports ball. <laughs> What's a PK? PK means pastor's kid or preacher's kid. It's just what that means. And so there are some famous PKs that a lot of people are going to recognize, like Katy Perry, Rick Warren, um, Franklin Graham, bleh, the Jonas Brothers. The French Jonas Brothers are Jonas. PKs? Yes, they are. I didn't even... Yes. I knew about the purity ring. I knew about the purity ring, but I did not know. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, it all yes, starts yes. at the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say. There's all sorts of PKs out there, like the Jonas Brothers, you know? Uh, you know, there's the perfect model child, Jonas Brothers, who lives by the rules. Um, they're in church, dressed like a little angel, quiet and submissive. And that's like you. You're kind of like the bonus Jonas. <laughs> I mean, uh, and when, but there's also the wild child. So think of Ariel Moore from Footloose, or there's the ones that grow up with all the rules and now they're breaking them all. So there's all sorts of different types of PKs. Um, but today we have the ultimate PK in our midst. Grace Simler Baldridge is joining us for our lock in, and we're going to play some games and have a Bible study and listen to some of her brand new music off her new album titled preacher's kid so welcome similar thank you so much for having me and your song preacher's kid is the first song sung by an openly queer artist to reach number one on the christian charts well it's the first ep but there were songs on there that also qualified for that as well yeah yes i love that that is so like empowering yeah like like we said there's queer christians have been in the top christian music charts for decades ray bolts jennifer knapp Trey Pearson, you know, 
But now you're really the first one that's out, and that's so exciting. So I'm so excited to have you on and get to talk to you about your album and some of the inspiration behind some of your songs. But we do have to get to our gay Christian news first. Take but us hold on, Danny. we need. To, it's time to lock the doors of this church and get this party started, <laughs> y'all. Ow, oh, that was really loud. Our church has a very big door, apparently. Okay, well. <laughs> It might be like an elephant door. Do you guys know what that is? I'll, you taught me PK. An elephant door, those big doors that are on the side of like a, of a movie studio, those giant ones, because they used to have elephants go in and out of them back in the day. Oh. Just a little bit of showbiz knowledge for you. That's just seasoning, you guys. That's just some seasoning. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of uh, seasoning, uh, let's put a little spice on some. The Independent reports. A Republican congressman sparked anger when he suggested that transgender people are an offense to God. Florida lawmaker Greg Stubbe, also Greg Stupid, Ugh, made why the is it con- Florida? <laughs> why is it always someone named Greg? <laughs> yes, and last name rhymes with stupid. So, um, but he made the controversial comment during a debate in the House on the passage of the Equality Act, which would ban discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender equality. The GOP told the House he would begin his speech by giving them the truth because he has a monopoly on the truth. As he read from Deuteronomy 22, 5. In the Bible, it says, A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear woman's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this, he read. Are you trying to tell me that the Lord doesn't love Diane Keaton? Come on. Who doesn't love Diane Keaton? Come on. Speak the truth. Shame the devil. Or Marjorie, this congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is walking around wearing pants. What is he going to say about, what is he going to tell her? Okay. So what did he read? Do you know the story, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yes. So yes. you know that translation oh, basically. The, oh, the and Pasim. Our Ketan and Pasims are burning. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Yash Jesus. We are your people. <laughs> yeah, for real. I thought I was gonna actually say something surprising, but unfortunately you already know. I should have figured. I thought I was about to be yeah. like, watch out for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good. If you if you do not, if you're listening and you don't know what a Ketanit Pasim is, well, you're late. Uh make sure you check out the Joseph episode of Yash Jesus where we get into it hammy yeah um, so what else did he read go ahead what did he read tell us well that's what that was his truth that he read on the house floor because he wanted to have a righteous moment okay but the equality act did pass the u.s house so praise the lord honey yes. And if you don't know about the equality act report. it would add sexual orientation and gender identity to the civil rights act and provide protections for lgbtq people in employment housing, public accommodations, jury, credit, and so much more, which is still needed. I just have a friend last month, similar, you know her, she was fired from her job at the Lutheran Church because the board of directors found out she's gay. You know, we need things like the Equality Act. Granted, churches operate under a different kind of policies and rules when it comes to law, but still, this is still happening in public accommodations. Like, it's, we need this. We need this. So... That's our gay Christian news. Well, you know, when we have news, that is definitely a praise report that uh, the Equality Act uh, is passed. I think it's like amazing, right? But 
Um, we also have prayer requests. We have to pray for this guy. So we're at this mm. part of our show where we do our praise report and our prayer request. So that is where if you have something you want to thank God for, we will also thank God with you. And if you have something that you want to pray for, we will also pray for it with you. You could always uh, hit us up at yasjesuspod.com to add your own. Uh, so we have a prayer request, and this one uh, comes from Drew. I'm waiting to hear back from a church regarding a call. I would be the secondly open trans pastor in California. The sixth, I think, in the whole denomination. Wow. Wow. That is such an amazing call. You already have the call. You have the call from God. And I think that that's so awesome that uh, that is the path that you are on. And we will add you to our prayers, Drew, because I think that uh, we need your leadership. Clearly, you're being called upon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also want to... uh, uh, for our prayer request, we also want to lift up Alicia Brown in prayer. This mm-hmm. is a friend of Azzy's, and she's yeah. currently in the ICU after brain aneurysm. Yeah, we're praying uh, for you, Alicia. Yeah, we are definitely um, and, adding you in there, Alicia. And for, sure. for all my friends at Christ Church in Nashville who know Alicia, and and it's 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 a really it's a big uh, blow to that community um, because she is such an integral part of that church and the choir and. So I can't wait to hear her sing again. Um, Azariah, you have a praise report, right? Yes. So our praise report comes from Nick. Nick is thankful for new employment after 11 months of unemployment. So Nick, we are celebrating with you. Let's get the bell. Yes, the whistle. Sound the trumpets in Zion, Zion. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for sharing that with us because there's so many people that are going through this right now. The pandemic left so many people uh, uncertain of their future. And um, look at with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can accomplish it. And we're so grateful, Nick, that you share this rejoice because we have to remember not only to ask for things, but also to be grateful. The fastest thing to get something you want is to be grateful for what you have. And thank you, Nick. We're grateful for you sharing this good news. We are going to take a little break uh, and we'll be right back after the break with our favorite part is the scripture of the day. So stay tuned. And we're back with the scripture, scripture of, of the day. day. Eight, eight, eight. Scripture of the day. Oh, oh, oh. Scripture of the day. Oh, oh. It's soul food. Yes, that's right. It's a scripture of the day. We are back. Similar as a musician, I'm sure you could appreciate the most awful theme song that we have. Um, <laughs> no, I have no notes. <laughs> no notes. No, no notes. It tells you what it. we're in for. It's catchy. Pulls no punches. No notes. Get into it. Uh, well, we're going to take a note out of the Bible with the scripture of the day with Second Timothy uh, 1.5, Azzy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. Similar. Uh, I know that my <laughs> I had faith. <laughs> <laughs> I know that my faith. I, I felt that energy. My faith came a lot from my my nana and my mom, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's get to the gospel with similar. We're so glad you're joining us for our lock in. But let's talk about you and your album. Yeah, your album is called Preacher's Kid. So we went over a little bit about like different types of preacher's kids. You know, you have the the angel, you have the wild child, you know. What kind of preacher kid were you similar? Ooh, um, kind of a bit of both. You know, I wasn't the 
angel by any means. I definitely caused my parents some headaches and frustrations, <laughs> dare I say embarrassment on a few occasions. <laughs> but I also really love my parents and I never wanted to cause them significant grief. Did it kind of come up with just, you know, the hormones and growing up? Absolutely. But I was never intentionally like setting things on fire or whatever. Did or breaking into homes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I definitely broke house rules, but I never uh-huh. did so in a way that would have, I think, like embarrassed my parents. Yeah. Um, right. But I also Your was like the worst. Yeah, my intentions were good, but I was a very bad acolyte and I was known to like corrupt the other acolytes of just letting them know, like, if you want to play a prank on my dad in the service, like. <laughs> so, so, so those, I, I remember, do you remember those things where um, it's like the gooey in the, in the cup and you squish it in there and it makes a fart sound? I don't, I don't know what they're called. But yeah, on like the, slime. So yeah, slime it's like a slime. Whatever. And on the outside, it's like perfect for church. Were you that kid? that would be like, hey, 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 hey. Oh, yeah. My brother and I definitely, I don't know if we did that exactly, but definitely we brought in a whoopee cushion at some point in time. We lost our like whoopee cushion privileges and just like cushion privileges. Oh yeah. And, um, we would start like throwing my dad off because we learned all the, uh, like chants or whatever. We knew them by heart Uh by the age of like eight. So I would just like look at them and like mouth them back back to him all sassy and he had to be like you have to stop doing that because he'd like look over and i would look demonic like you know like the lord mary is basically i don't know it's just very chaotic oh my god that's hilarious what kind of what denomination uh did you grow up in episcopal um so okay. like, these episcopal traditions so it's basically like diet catholicism we have the robes we have the incense um but we also allow our priests to get married in this denomination it was also one of the first and still one of the only affirming traditions in um, Christianity. So it's, it's all, it's like kind of like a hippie Catholic type of deal, I guess. Yeah. And your album Preacher's Kid is, is about your queer Christian journey. Um, that's what you write about in this album. So I'm curious, growing up Episcopal uh, and it being one of the first affirming churches, was your dad one of the first affirming priests? I, I, I don't know, like in general, but I was really, really fortunate in that my dad has always been affirming and accepting. And when I came out to him, he was so loving and I'm really blessed in that regard, but it still didn't protect me. And I think it also didn't occur to him to protect me from larger church culture. So I was still being sent on like youth retreats, mission trips and church camps and things like that, that were not the same messaging that I was receiving at home, which is really confusing as a teenager. And the bad stuff is often easier to believe. So I would start like doubting the character of my dad that I'd known to be true. I would start being like, oh, maybe like actually he believes this other stuff or he's just not telling me or he's protecting me from certain things. Um, But then eventually when I finally like officially, officially came out to him, I mean, I think they had their suspicions. (laughs) What age was this at? What age? I came out to my dad probably 20 or 21. Okay. So when you were going through your doubtful phase, when you were doubting your your dad and everything, like that was all around that time? Yeah, I, d- I didn't. Because you're receiving messages from like youth leaders that are telling you a certain thing and you're still wrestling through like coming out as a secretive thing. You like come out mm-hmm. to yourself first. And you maybe don't tell anyone for years, you know, for like two or three years when you're like 13 or 14. And I 
just really put all of that like deep down inside because I started believing what I would hear at these things that if you come out, then your parent, then you're going to hell and like your parents won't love you. And even though that was incongruent with what I was seeing from my dad, I, it just, it was easier to believe that like the bad stuff was real because there's so much internalized shame and internalized homophobia that was so baked into culture that that felt way more true than the outlandish thing that my dad could love me. (laughs) Like, that felt like, no, 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 that's definitely not going to happen. I, I know you feel they, they uh, when I went to conversion therapy, they made me say that it was my mother's fault. Like just, just the manipulation of what, it, of just everything that you know can't be true if that's not what the majority of your church is saying. Yes, it's exactly that. It is like this manipulation where you, you, the beautiful thing about coming out is you sort of start to realize yourself. It's like this revelation of like, oh, it all makes sense. Like, this is who I am. And then there's like the second part of that, the second sort of chapter, which is then the manipulation and the doubt that like sort of steeps in, which is like, no, actually you don't know yourself. And not only do you not know yourself, you don't know anyone around you and you can't trust Mm -hmm. anyone around you and you can't even trust yourself anymore. So it really is this very like corrosive process in my experience that went from something very like whole and beautiful like oh i it all makes sense everything is clicking to like it's clicking but in a bad way and like you're not you become like this conspiracy theorist in your own life which is (laughs) an ugly look This is not listen if you're getting (laughs) taking anything from this keep keep a cute look it's cute to look (laughs) keep it cute so how did you end up writing your album preacher's kid So it started after I'd wrapped doing a doc series episode on the Christian music industry. And we'd kind of traveled to Nashville and we filmed with artists that had been in Christian music, but were basically cast out when they came up against the gatekeepers of that industry because Mm -hmm. maybe they were queer or they didn't subscribe to purity culture or they wanted to speak out against sort of the toxic role of uh, marriage that that is sort of prescribed to many Christians. And so we finished filming that episode. We come back to LA and then very shortly after lockdown started, and I was just swirling with all these thoughts from filming. And I started revisiting all the Christian music I was raised with like Reliant K and Switchfoot. And I just started sort of writing music from this mindset of unpacking religious trauma that I had never given myself time to deal with because I sort of convinced myself and perhaps even other people that, oh, I was fine. I didn't have a problem. My my parents loved me. Everything was fine. Nothing happened at these church camps and things like it was all good. And once I started unpacking it, it's like I turned on a faucet that I couldn't turn off. And it's kind of been that way ever since. So I was I was trapped inside like many of us were um, alone with my thoughts and my guitar, my piano, and this microphone. And I just recorded everything, everything that I was writing. And then when it came time to release it, my wife was like, I was thinking about releasing it as a Christian record because it felt the most authentic. But I also was like, oh, people won't take me seriously because I'm queer. And she was like, you should really out and you should just kind of like, let everyone else be damned, honestly, because the people who are going to resonate with this message will find it and they'll resonate with it. And it is divinely inspired by your Christian experience that meets that Christian criteria. Other people that don't understand it, it was never for them. And what a strange uh, sort of 
thing that we have with this genre that every piece of music has to be for every single person who would listen to it. We don't do that with any other genre. So that is so true. Like with Christian music, it has to just be like universal. Instead, so why can't it be about like, you know, um, different types of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one of your singles is called Jesus from Texas. I love the title of that because it really summarizes up Americanized Christianity so well. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the inspiration behind that song and, and a little bit about like what that song is about? I wrote that song the day of the election. I started writing it because I was thinking about everything happening in our world and how I so desperately want to be aware of everything. And I get really frustrated with some of my more evangelical friends who seemingly just sort of check out from any sort of like political engagement in the vein of like staying religious or like holier than thou. Like, no, it's not, it's not, I'm not meant to care about this world because I'm focusing on the next. And I really hated that mentality. So I started writing the song about how my, my mom, who's really sweet was fully alive and living and a person in New York when Stonewall happened and doesn't remember it at all, has no recollection of Stonewall. She learned about Stonewall from me. And using almost that as like an example for how we have to be awake to the hurt of this world, especially the hurt that's been caused in the name of the religion that I belong to. So I started writing it from that place. And then I finished it after um, my best friend, we had an awkward interaction around my birthday and this has been ongoing in my life for some time. And she is a born again Christian. And I just sort of finished it on that note because she's from Texas. It just said like, I'll spend the rest of my life tearing down the Jesus from Texas you put in the crown. That was such a good line. I love that line because it's, you, you summarized it so well, so well. And so much of church Christian evangelical culture does really come from Texas and Colorado, Colorado too. Um, but yeah, the Jesus that you put in the, it say, say those lines again. Um, it's, I'll spend the rest of my life tearing down the Jesus from Texas you put in a crown. And you were talking about unpacking. It is, that's, that's what you're referring to, right? And, and a lot of people in um, progressive Christian circles also call that deconstruction, right? That's what is that how what's what's one of the things that um that have been most impactful for you that you've been deconstructing during this process or even while you've been writing the album that you came across? You know, I think I heard the word deconstruction the first time maybe like two years ago or something, like one and a half years ago. I was really unfamiliar with it. And then I realized that they were describing exactly what I've been doing, which is just calling into question everything that we were indoctrinated with when you grow up in a Christian environment and finding that that is a beautiful and holy thing to do, that asking questions and wrestling with doubt is wonderful. And I think that that is an amazing part of coming into faith because we know that faith is not the absence of doubt. You know, I, I would never describe myself as a true believer. I want to be open to curiosity and understanding the mystery of faith. I feel far more called to that. So what's been helping me is honestly podcast spaces like this. <laughs> like for real, I think that I didn't know that there were other people wrestling with doubt in the same way. You feel really isolated. So resources have been huge for me. Yeah. Grace, yeah, yeah. I love that you, this, even this deconstruction term, I've never really heard it put in those terms before. You guys are both speaking about it. This is the first time I'm hearing about 
that being put that way. Mm. But I've always said, like, like I think it shouldn't be called Bible study. It should be called Bible wondering. That's what we do here on the show. Like, you know, it's like we are. It's it's not a set written way that we have to memorize. It's a way that we're supposed to live and breathe and feel and discover. You know, uh, we were talking about um, several times on the show. We brought up Lonnie Frisbee, who was. Uh, a gay man that was really instrumental in the Jesus movement of the seventies. He was able to reach the hippies and those guys used to like do acid and walk down like hate street and like, just talk about Jesus, man. Like, I mean, like (laughs) I'm so much closer to that. It's one of the reasons we do baked Bible stories on the show because it's like, I want to live my life as an everyday curious. I'm curious about sexuality. I'm curious about, um, environmental things. I'm curious about the ocean. I'm, I, I want to walk around my life as a fully developed human, constantly wondering about things. Why would I take somebody's word for my God? Like the person who created all of these sensations and feelings and places and things and animals. It's like, I, like I want to keep wondering. I mean, I think it's part of the joy that I get out of being a Christian is that I'm, that I am able to re- discover things or, or, or find things that I thought were figured out and look at them in a whole new way. Yeah. I believe we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to conservative Christianity and the sort of very rigid doctrines and parameters that they prescribe to people for like, this is how to be, we really limit the abundance of life that we can experience here while we're here. And I don't see that supported in the gospels at all. It's like going to if if you don't like like if you if you're not like it's like going to Disneyland and missing Tomorrowland altogether. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> I think I'm kind of using like a funny a funny Floridian reference right now, but but I do think that it's like there is so many things that are created. Limiting your experiences as a human on this earth is something that shouldn't be done. It should be done with, and I hate to use the word moral code, but it should be done with like. It should be done with a discernment. It should be done with, you know, going in, knowing what we know and knowing what uh, what's right and what's wrong and going forward like that. That's why the idea of somebody opposing love or opposing like two parents, you know, wanting to extend the love of their relationship to a child or and or or being able to have somebody work in in a place of worship like things and, and limiting those kind of things to me is so short sighted on the grand picture of what God created the earth for. Yeah, yeah. When coming from my fundamentalist Pentecostal background, when I discovered or came to realize that the God that was taught to me was nothing more than really a mere reflection of ourselves, and I started unpacking that, like, like you say, unpack or deconstruct. You know, for so those those who are listening, this is an example of deconstruction. God is not a male. God does not have a penis between their legs. You know, God. There, there is no. Even the word kingdom of God, we're limiting um, what what that can look like because we only have our language, our experiences to phrase it and and to frame it. Uh, so a kingdom is even something that's man-made. It's not God-made. So what is this that can be greater? What is it that can transcend that? And I, I think what that looks like is when we can get beyond who Jesus from Texas is and understand that we don't have the language for that it's not the kingdom of god but the but a community and, and the connection of of each other and the and the recognizing each other's humanity and love for each other um so i don't know where who I'm is going with that who is who is jesus from texas yeah the interesting thing about that is that uh i 
put on my Instagram story a snippet of that song, just that portion on my Instagram story before the song was released. And she, the friend, reached out to me because she, mm. I guess, knew that like, oh, this is going to be a, a little folk diss track about me um, or something. And <laughs> she said in her text message, she was like, I love Jesus and I'm from Texas, but I might not love the Jesus from Texas in your song. And I thought that was really interesting because I have, like, I don't know. I have no idea how you understand Jesus because that conversation has been off limits for us because I'm queer. We've never been able to talk about our shared faith. We're both Christian. That's like the tricky thing about it. Um, because she, I think, I don't know what she thinks I think or whatever. We're, I've been really clear with who I think Jesus is and, you know, how I've applied historical context to context to that understanding and what goes into that belief and, um, how I, how I really wrestle with what Jesus would make of the world today, which I, I can't presume to know, but of course I make my own inferences based on what we have in the go is who she hasn't welcomed. And I, and that's what tells me. Okay, that's consistent with certain like lawmakers that feign uh, religious liberty in Texas. And that's where I got that line from. Like, I don't really know who this character is because this character of Jesus, whitewashed Jesus, is fraudulent to begin with. I don't understand it. And you've never taken the time to explain it to me. So I don't know where we go from here. Yeah. It's not Jesus from Nazareth. (laughs) Jesus from Texas. What what one of my favorite songs from your album Preacher's Kid is a good man. I love that song. It's so well written, and um, the the line in there that really stood out to me is: "If there's a good man in you, you killed him again. You poisoned the well of someone you called a friend. I think you'd rather they hate you, but I don't think they do. They're just sad. You keep killing the good man in you. I love those lyrics. I relate to them. How, what was the inspiration behind that song? I wrote that song about people in my life who have consistently done harm, have not been great people, but have also had great and beautiful moments for me or for others. And how frustrating that can be as a friend or a loved one to see someone show up and be like, this is your best self. This is you at your healthiest. Oh my gosh, you can do it. And then a week later, just see them kind of crash and burn again or hurt someone else or repeat that same mistake. And I think as Christians, we are called always to forgive and to find that capacity within us for forgiveness. And that is so hard sometimes with repeat offenders. And so that song is really just a meditation on not a specific person, although there are a few people that I wrote it in mind for, of just people who I've kind of continuously allowed into my life or I've seen in the lives of others just hurt. And then they do something incredible and you think that this is the redemption arc. Now they're back. There's Here's this good man again. And then again, they fall short. And it's me really wrestling with that feeling of like, you like oh my gosh you are like you're killing all this hope that i had for you these dreams that i had for you that we all had for you it's like tyra banks like mm-hmm. we were rooting for you <laughs> we were all rooting for you um and yet still being called to forgive and sort of wrestling with that really tricky emotion and and something that my wife and i talk about a lot is 
setting holy boundaries, <laughs> you know, because like, is there a way of loving this person as we're called to do as Christians in a way that is healthy for all parties? And sometimes that looks like a boundary, but sometimes it feels like, oh no, am I, am I like casting this person out in the way that I would never wish for me and I know is not Christ-like? It's so difficult. And so that's kind of what I'm wrestling with with that song. And I have not solved it. <laughs> I have not. But there were a few people that reached out after it came out that were like, this about me. <laughs> there were like a few people. And it was a kind of a good conversation because I'm like, do you think you are, do you think this is the one that's about you? Then perhaps we should talk further, my friend. You're also known and have gotten a lot of acclaim for your Refinery29 YouTube series, State of Grace. So before your number one album, you were already exploring queer Christian topics on your show. For those who aren't familiar on her show, State of Grace, Grace visits with a lot of people from many different walks of life and experiences. And Grace, as you recorded the show, like, what were you looking for and have you found it? So the show got started after I first experienced that rejection from the friend from Jesus from Texas. Like that, once that initial sort of separation started, I was venting to another friend about what was happening in our yard. And this friend had just started as a producer for Refinery29. And I think she was interested in like kind of getting her first show off the ground. So I was like just venting to her. I was so like heartbroken over this situation. And she asked me, cause she's not religious. She was like, are you telling me that all homophobia, transphobia, queer phobia is somehow steeped or rooted in religion? And I like took a minute and I was like, in this country, yeah. In this country, yeah. I don't see how else it's taught to a kid unless it is yeah. um, foundational to what they believe their faith is telling them. And then she was like, well, I think there's, I think there could be a show in there. So we shot our first episode, the pilot episode about conversion therapy in Atlanta. And it ended up just doing really well because I think, and I'm sure y'all are seeing this with the podcast as well, people were really interested to have this conversation. It's totally taboo. It's all the things you're not supposed to talk about. This intersection of faith and social issues and American life, it's messy. It's like, don't talk about this with strangers. Don't bring it up at Thanksgiving. But I think because of that stigma, people were really curious to tune in. And so then we filmed sort of like blocks of other episodes from there and then our last season or the second season or something we got nominated for a glad award which was huge because we're like a crew of like four people we're tiny itty bitty little show just knocking on people's door being like do you want to talk about jesus with this dyke (laughs) 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 it's sort of what it was so um so i was really really proud of that show i have some incredible memories and i feel like it was very much a jumping off point for the songwriting that i've been doing now it's a really great show, really well done, um, and I'm glad that your friend prompted you to do that because it shared. Because well, I'm glad you're glad. I think she hates it. <laughs> but, yeah. Speaking of glad, congratulations on your Glad Media Award nomination for State of Grace as well. Thank you. That was like by far one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. I cried. <laughs> I mean, it's done. It's done a really excellent job of of telling the stories that not too many people are telling or really sharing. So I, I really appreciated it. So tell your friend. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm blocked at this point, but who knows? <laughs> All right. So uh, similar, what is your go-to CCM song, contemporary Christian music song? Do you have one for like when you're sad or happy? Like pump me up. Okay. When I'm sad or when I'm happy. Um, okay. If I'm sad, it's Switchfoot. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good one. If I'm happy, honestly, like, like Reliant K just slaps for me or Kirk Franklin, if I'm happy. So story about Reliant K. When I was in high school and I was like, I wanted to be on TV so bad and to like have my own show. So like I started where I could with with a local public access channel. And I would go to all the Christian concerts that I could and re- and interview all the bands. So the Elms, you know, Reliant K, uh, Honey. <laughs> I was I was the number one fan. Okay, I the love number one the fan. Elms. Yes, they were they were they're good. So um so I went to uh, a Reliant K concert and uh, interviewed them. They were kind enough to give me some time. And, uh, and I, I was able to weasel my way on stage and introduce them. <laughs> Do you have any photos of that? I would know. I do. There's video that? somewhere. There's video somewhere, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I love Reliant K. Love them. Good. That's, I understand that's good they love the gays too. I have some reasonable evidence that I think that they, they might love us back. It's not confirmed oh, yeah. by the lead singer that I know of, but I'm pretty sure they do. A hundred percent. Ross Reliant Gay. (laughs) I own that Instagram account. It's just parked somewhere. I saw that it was available Reliant at Reliant Gay. I do nothing with it, but one day I might want to, and I want to have it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So tell us about your your tweet. I want to know about your tweet. So you have this tweet to your younger self. Tell us about it. So I was on my honeymoon with my wife, and I was really fortunate that many of my bridesmaids at our wedding were old friends, like friends that I'd known since I was like eight years old. And we all kind of went through grade school, through high school together. And one of those like really close friends found a photo of like four of us at prom. And there I am just absolutely like femmed up, just like nails were serving nails i think i had a push-up bra on and like i had my hair done like a i was feeling like my golden globes fantasy and he sent me that along with a photo from my wedding where i'm looking much more myself uh in like a menswear suit and everything and she was like look at how far we've come and she just sent it in like our group chat i thought it was really cute so i tweeted out dear grace at prom i know you're scared to come out to your friends right now but don't worry they're going to be your bridesmaids one day and i just thought it was really cute to see Uh like them next to each other you know like really how far we've come visually and it i then i went to the beach i didn't think about i didn't think it was like that deep honestly at the time and then i came back and it had just been like retweeted and I like did an interview with ABC news. It was, which was very cool. It was also like my friends in the photo, we were all freaking out because they interviewed the whole bunch of us and they were like, what was it like having a gay friend? And they were like, we love love her. It's fine. Oh my gosh. I mean, it really was like, your friend is very gay. How is that for you? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, I mean, it's fine. They're like, well, we had to learn softball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're like, honestly, one of the friends in the photo, I did make her be the basketball manager. I was like, if you want to hang out with me, you got to learn how to keep stats. (laughs) (laughs) What a fun thing for you to all experience together in that moment, celebrating your love. You know, the, the fact it's so funny that uh, you know I say the same thing because like sometimes I'll do something like I'll take I'll do like not necessarily a thirst trap but I'll have like a thirst trap with heart where like I'll take like my shirt off and then like write like a little caption about how I was uncomfortable always taking my shirt off by the pool kind of thing and it, like it, you know to blow up and it'll end up in all the magazines and I'm like it's so funny that it's news 
It just goes to show you how alternative queer voices are so needed. How there's just like such an uh, energy of almost starvation for it that uh, when that that something like that can just that needs to be broadcast because it just celebrates love and that's what we need to be. I always say that the greatest thing a queer person could be is an example of love because if they look at you celebrating love, then what can they say? You know, grace is love. Like that's love. Yeah, my God wife says. Sometimes, because, you know, I don't know if you have any, like, not bullies, but people that you, that kind of, like, check in on your life in maybe negative ways. She's like, listen, the best revenge is living well and being happy and taking care of the people around you. Like, you won't, because sometimes I'll want to send, like, a snarky, like, subtweet or something. She's like, (laughs) nope, I'm telling you, like, the best revenge is being at peace with yourself and those around you. That is, that Mm -hmm. you will feel 10 times better doing that than whatever weird subtweet to your friend in texas who's not gonna see this <laughs> is gonna feel like don't do it i need your wife in my ear sometimes <laughs> she's, a, she's um, a strong lady speaking of uh friends which we all are now especially um when are we gonna play some games this is supposed to be like a lockdown okay. like i'm like where, yeah we i'm like we, where are the games at Yo, you got games on your phone? You got games on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make this a proper lock-in. So we're going to play a game here, okay? We're going to play Never Have I Ever. Okay. So I'm going to need you to hold up all fingers, okay? Mm-hmm. And for each each one that applies to you, you're going to put a finger down. And the one with the most fingers remaining at the end wins. I think that's how this game works. Uh- only as he uh, plans you. a visual game for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, play along. Put your f- hands Unless up. Unless you're driving. Unless you're driving. Jesus cannot actually take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus from Texas will not take the wheel. Okay. Okay. So never have I ever had a secular CD burning. Did you do that, Ezzy? I did it. You did do it. Absolutely. Wow. My first album, the first album I ever bought was Coldplay. And I remember my heart was pounding because I thought I was What's sinning. the first album you ever burned? <laughs> Coldplay. <laughs> um, that you burnt Coldplay? Yeah, honey. Yeah. Oh my God. My sad. mom wouldn't let me listen to Aerosmith because she thought it was satanic. I had it to is. sneak... <laughs> This is, I think this is maybe worse. I had to sneak, like sneaky sneak, a Nickelback CD in like seventh grade. I like paid my friend. I was like, yo, like how much to burn that hot new Nickelback CD? (laughs) 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 And I hit it. Oh my God. Nickelback. I love it. (laughs) Okay. I, um, I did worse. I actually, this is not funny, but I actually did an abortion picket line. Can you, like me, I can't even believe Mm. it, but I did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Evangelicalism will do weird yeah, stuff to girl. you. Hi, I was like a sophomore in high school. Or yeah, you're a child. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So another one. Never have I ever been to a Carmen concert. Honestly, unfortunately, I have not. But I've, wa- I've watched a DVD of a Carmen concert. Does that count? Uh, um, no, I guess no. you can hang with us, Grace. <laughs> no, it doesn't count. You're right. It does not count. It was a DVD. Okay, wait. So since I've been to a Carmen concert, I put a finger down, I believe, right? Okay. Yeah. I know the rules to this I, game. 
I went to Night of Joy. If you've never been to Disney World, it's when they close down uh, Disney World and then they have it all be Christians and they have concerts oh, yeah. everywhere. It's like a, it's like a music festival. Oh, yeah. A, cri- if you're, a Christian music festival. Close down Disney World and they make it all be Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Carmen World. <laughs> oh, he would have loved that. He would have loved that for himself. <laughs> it could still happen. It could still happen. All right. So I, for those listening, I have only eight fingers left. Grace, similar, still has 10. Danny, we don't know. He's not playing with us. Because... <laughs> okay, so... I went to Carmen concert. Okay, so you have nine fingers up then. Okay. Right, yes. So, never have I ever hooked up at a youth group lock-in. I've never hooked up at my youth group. Oh my god. That would have been cool, though. Okay. It wasn't for lack of trying <laughs> it just didn't end up happening i think you can You're put like, a finger down preacher. He's cool with it. <laughs> listen i tried to be i tried to like give all the you know queer hints and i cannot help that i struck out that's not really a me problem so do you listen to nickelback <laughs> <laughs> i can burn you my cd <laughs> Okay, another one. Never have I ever street witnessed. Oh my god, that's two for me. I did that. I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> I mean, I've been on like mission trips where you're like supposed to talk about Jesus to the people. Does that count? Were you in the streets? Technically. Okay, yeah. Street, yep, put a finger down. Um, it has to be down. outside of a booth, maybe. Outside of a booth. Were you in a booth? No, no booth. Okay, yeah, then you street witness. I, they forced my youth group. We had to go to uh, the All Saints... Uh, which was like a Catholic church carnival that they used to have, but it was really just the, to raise money for the church. It was like this huge carnival. There was nothing religious about the carnival, but the All Saints carnival was like huge. And like my, and I had to go in high school and they made me witness to people I knew from high school, mm. which really was hard to do. Yeah. Like your friends like, and stuff? Like, yeah, there was this one guy, Joe, he, he's a cool guy. And, but they still were like, he was like a rocker. And I was like even more scared because I necessarily, it was like coming out. Like I didn't basically, walk around as like a you know holy people who knew me knew i was a christian but like i wasn't like walking around like i'm a christian all day every day at school (laughs) yeah and i had to go up to this kid that i knew since like seventh grade and be like would you accept christ as your lord and savior and like hand him a track i was like freaking dying inside yeah but then they're like they were like will you do it for jesus like will you do it for jesus and i was like yeah what if what if where will he go if he goes home tonight and you know, dies in a car accident, you know, like that was the guilt that they put on you. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. It's like, I knew that this is so true though. I knew that when I came out that, that I was really gay and that God was okay with it because Mm -hmm. I did everything they said. Like I did everything mm-hmm. they said, mm-hmm. even like go up to my friend and like, I was like, I did it for God. I showed up for God. And so I was like, God, me and you're going to figure some shit out right now. <laughs> like, Wait. So did I just a, a little follow up question. So like, would they like send you, would they be like, all right, Danny, like there's your friend, like go get him. Like you'd have like a, mark. they didn't know, they didn't know he was necessarily my friend, but they'd be like, go to that guy. Oh, they would. Well, there was this one guy, Chris, who was like the star of the, like the star of the youth group. He was like perfect. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, and he like, he was going up to everybody because he didn't go to school there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, they were just like, go up to someone. And I was like, oh my God. And I looked at my friend, my friend, 
kind of could look in my eyes and know that I was being pressured by all the people behind me to like do, we were all wearing the same t-shirt and I was just like, <laughs> was, he was kind of like, yeah, all right, man, thanks. Like he kind of like made, like made, he made light of it. It could have been worse if it was a bad, a worse person. Do any of you still have your matching t-shirts from stuff? Cause I, still no. leave it. I got rid of all of that stuff. I, you know, I did find, uh, recently, um, these little tracks that we used to give out in youth group. And it gives you like the plan of salvation on it. It's they're, they're like little business side card business card uh, size. I found those recently, so I still do have those. I'm keeping it just because I keep it in my wallet actually. So that way, every once in a while, when I'm going through my wallet, I see I'm like, that's where you came from, bitch. That's where you came from. <laughs> Mine were the comic books. I had those little like graphic novel books where like all this mm-hmm. crazy shit would happen oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. to the person who you yeah. know what I mean. Those are those I are liked the, the, the chick tracks. That, yeah, that's what yeah. I had. Yeah. That's what they're called. I what think were those? those those were like evangelical gold when coming to. Can we break women. into those on a future episode? Like sure, we need to do yeah. that. Like yeah, I, yeah, 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 let's right like get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, all right, keep going. I want to keep okay, playing this okay, game. Okay. My hands okay. are getting tired. I I'm still have. Them up <laughs> you haven't even been holding them up. People won't know, but <laughs> this I is know. Audio. <laughs> this is audio. <laughs> Similar. Me and God know. <laughs> okay i have seven figures up similar you still have 10 all all 10 oh okay um never have i ever spoken tongues yeah no episcopalians you gotta get me do it gotta get with it gotta get with it it. okay uh never have i ever had an impure thought uh, about michael w smith okay i definitely thought he was hot so i guess that counts i don't know if it was impure but i definitely was like i'd kiss him yeah, he's. I mean, he's an attractive guy. Yeah, he was hot. He was like uh, the. He reminded me of the um, George Michael of like the Chris. Like I said that before. Yes. <laughs> Did he have like a hanging cross earring? Maybe like I don't know. There was something. He did. Yeah, there was something about um, there was they something about that? him that just gave me George Michael vibes. Yeah, they allowed it in the beginning because it was like Christian music was a lot more accepting of different expressions shall i say in like the 90s and 80s so michael w smith actually served a little bit when he came onto the scene like my place in this world my dad gave his tape to my brother as the alternative for prince not equivalent not equivalent at all but he tried it (laughs) that sounds like a designer imposter's perfume (laughs) (laughs) if you like charlie red you will love chuck rouge It was exactly like that. It was my brother was like obsessed with Michael Jackson and Prince. And my dad was like, may I interest you in Michael W. Smith? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, oh you know, that God. makes sense because Christian music came out of the Jesus movement, which was started by a gay hippie, Lonnie Frisbee. You know, um, so that makes total sense that they're a little bit more lenient at the beginning. Okay, so moving on. I still have I have five fingers up now. I'm going to lose this game. That's two um, Lonnie Frisbee uh, references in one episode. If we say his name again, he might appear. <laughs> 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 All right. Never have I ever stolen from the collection plate. Never. You did. Don't tell me you did that, Azzy. No. <laughs> Once. I oh wanted those God. gummy you bears. For- no, no. We need to ask our guests about this. <laughs> I had a problem with stealing from the church. I had a problem because it's my dad's office. I I didn't steal a lot. I didn't steal a lot, but I won't lie to you. When I was younger, they did have to like take me aside and talk about not 
taking things from a church because it's I not- couldn't even take a crayon. I would like, I would not be able to do it. Yeah, but it's like, for me, I'm like, this is my dad's stuff. Right. Like, I it can take so- it. It, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that. That's you didn't have the the uh, the idealized, romanticized idea of what church was that so many people had. I yeah, like saw I, him. I would go with him to deposit the collection plate into the church, so I or into the church bank account. So I was like, it's right. our money. It's our family right. business. <laughs> Can I tell right. you like the funniest thing? Like really, and I'm very serious. That I used to feel bad about taking a duty at church. <laughs> did you not do it? No, like when I did, I would duty. be like, to, I, I would like when I when I flushed it, I'd be like to hell. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I would picture like I would picture like my duty just like landing on Satan's head. Yeah, but the toilets and the toilets in church have a direct yes. connection to yes. hell. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely do. They have they're the pipeline. I, to I mean, hell. where else is where else is it going? It's not going to heaven. You heard it here on Yes Jesus. There's no duty in heaven. <laughs> All right, so I only have four fingers left. Similar's catching up to me with nine. Danny, we don't know. Danny, it's a mystery. All right, never have I ever (laughs) snuck out of the house. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Please. So, Danny, you're what, like seven now? Similar? Let me see, hold on. Uh, I didn't burn a second with you. I would, does it count if it's like I would not, I I wasn't honest about where I was going? Is that sneaking? Uh, Yeah, it's sneaky. Okay. But you didn't sneak. I'm at five. It was sneaky. I, I don't know if I would count it though. Okay. That, you're fair. Cause like I never left without my parents knowing, but sometimes I would not tell them exactly. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. So you can keep the finger out. Okay. Yeah. It's different. We got to give you some edge. You're a musician. <laughs> I have five down. I have five down. Oh, right so, now. okay. So Danny, wow. This might be between you and me here. Okay. All right, we're down to the last two. <laughs> Never have I ever smoked the devil's lettuce. Are you talking about weed? Are you talking about marijuana? Are you talking about Mary Jane? Are you talking about ganja? Are you talking about a jazz cigarette? <laughs> Evidently, someone over here has. <laughs> I mean, All I right. have one burning in the ashtray right now. So, <laughs> All right, last one here. I have three up. Danny has four. Similar nine. Eight. Never... Eight. Oh, that's right. You smoked the devil's lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) Never have I ever had a number one album on the iTunes Christian music charts. Oh, shoot, shoot, you guys. (laughs) What can I say? You All right. and uh, Carmen and Michael W. Smith can put a finger down. <laughs> Will you ask Michael W. Smith to be a guest on this show? Just ask. Oh my God. Oh, just ask. Enough. We here, yes, yeah, Jesus, want to know what does the W mean? <laughs> <laughs> Our friends, friends forever. Oh my, oh my God. Gosh. This is awesome. Grace, we're going to have to have you back on another episode. I love you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This has been so fun, you guys. Listen, you're listening to Yes Jesus. Um, our tithe, love offering, charity, act of good this week is to listen to Selmer's album, Preacher's Kid, wherever you stream music. And give some more love to some queer artists. Yes. Uh, let us know what you think about it. Uh, give us some reviews. Like Call in. And uh, next time we have Grace on the show, if you have any questions, just like we'll ask them. Also support up-and-coming queer artists. Since my album got so popular, I've been getting so many other musicians sending me their music. Some are so amazing, and they will need your help and support. Yeah, send them our way. Send us your music, too. Uh, and we will send us some of those other people, Grayson. We'll totally get them on the show and play some of their music. Yeah. Um, you guys, we are so 
just stoked, I guess is the word, uh, to have Summer here with us. I mean, really, you've been incredible. Uh, would you like to close us out in prayer? I do. I actually wrote a special prayer for this show, for this this episode. So I, love I wrote a prayer. This is called a prayer for a lonely queer kid. I think this mm-hmm. might have might be autobiographical. So, God of wonder and mystery, of all that is known and unknown, I am lonely. And though I am never separate from my creator... Though I know hope is always on the horizon, today I am lonely. In your mercy, I ask for peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. May your peace be with me and beside me, my companion for the road ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, I told you this before, but um, to remind our listeners, one of the whole reasons Yash Jesus came about was because when the Pulse uh, tragedy, the shooting happened in Orlando, I could not find a prayer for... Uh, queer people that i wanted to post i just couldn't find anything so thank you for sharing that and we're going to post that on our socials and you guys go to yash at yash jesus pod on instagram um and repost that because i think a lot of people need to hear it thank you so much for joining us thank you so much Honestly, for having this me this is so fun this has been so great right now we're going to close out with similar's single jesus from texas Yes, thank you for listening to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us at social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at YashJesusPod.com. You can now leave an audio prayer request or a praise report on our website, YashJesusPod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show. So drop us a line or send us a recording on YashJesusPod.com. Send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, your episode ideas, your guest ideas, or even just, hey, preacher's kid, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and Azariah Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray. Special thanks to Sophie Serrano and Meredith Pauley. Yes, Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bastilios, and Steve Michaels. Keep praising the Lord, y'all! My mom turned 18 in the 1960s Now she's a mom and she does remember Stonewall To be fair, she can't own a beer kid That bricks launched at police Would compel me to exist And I Oh
We lost touch, I guess the savior beats a friend who thinks you're good enough. I hope she finds love and peace. And if her kid comes out, I hope that she calls me. I'll spend the 